It's time to breathe new life into the social entrepreneur by empowering you to make a living through fulfilling work that will impact lives. You'll make money, but more importantly, you'll make a difference. Welcome to the Change Creator Podcast. It's time to build a business with purpose. Now here's your host, Adam Force. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is your host, Adam Forrest. Welcome back to the Change Creator Podcast show. Uh, excited to be here today talking with Crystal Earl. She's the founder of Brave Souls. Uh, Crystal is a social entrepreneur. She's also a mother, and she's doing incredible work, and she has a really powerful story. Um, it involves children, it involves shoes, and it involves storytelling, and a lot of many other really interesting components. And I'm going to let her share those really uh interesting details so that she can explain how this all unfolds and where Brave Souls came from. Uh, It's actually a really powerful and exciting story, so stay tuned in just a minute with Crystal Earl. Um, A quick update, we have opened the doors, okay? We've opened the doors for Captivate, our new program. It is a course that really is focused on elevating your marketing. Um, We've interviewed so many experts and we've been down this road ourselves with several businesses. And what we're finding in today's crazy, digital, crowded, advertising, bombarded world is that you really need to know how to leverage the science and art of storytelling in order to rise above it all. This is how you start attracting your audience. This is how you get them to actually take action. So the doors are open. Visit changecreator.com. Check out uh, our new course, and it is called Captivate. We can only take 50 people for the beta. Uh, Doors close in early November. So stop by and check that out. And if you have not subscribed to the Change Creator Magazine app, guys, when you subscribe, you're going to not only get lifetime access to every iteration of Captivate, you'll also get lifetime access to Change Creator Magazine when you sign up. Um, So check that out. And if you haven't been in the app in a while, guys, I would highly, highly recommend you check it out. We have the Richard Branson interview and we have the Jean Alwang interview. Uh, she is the president of Virgin Unite. And of course, Richard Branson is the founder. So many incredible insights. It was exciting to have the opportunity to ask them about their experiences and get their best advice for change creators. All right, guys, without further ado, let's jump into this conversation with crystal earl i know you're gonna dig this hey crystal welcome to the change creator podcast show how you doing today i'm great adam so good thanks Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to chat. And, um, you know, you have a really interesting story and stories are a very um, important topic in the change creator world right now for us. And so let's start off with you just kind of, you know, um, in short form, giving us a overview of your story and how Brave Souls came about. Um, Mm -hmm. And we'd love to get that background. Sure. Okay. So originally in another life, uh, I'm from Canada and uh, I'm originally the co-founder of a charity called Live Difference. We do use motivational presentations in high schools, you know, in different parts of the world. And in 2004, I started also bringing groups of people to Uh, in particular, the Dominican Republic, and we would build houses and work with communities, um, often with vulnerable communities. 
And um, in the in the summer of 2006, after doing it for a year, I was introduced to a community of workers um, in a garbage dump, actually, on the north coast of the Dominican Republic. And uh, I like all the glamour gigs. I like hanging out in garbage dumps. <laughs> so, <laughs> dumpster diver. I'm a dumpster diver at heart. <laughs> and um, so, uh, and in that place, I, you know, when I when I started bringing groups on humanitarian trips, it was because I had gone on a vacation in the Dominican Republic, and through a series of events, was uh, found myself five minutes away from the all-inclusive resort that I was staying at. A friend of mine picked me up and took me to a community that she worked with, and that first time was my first exposure to, to poverty on that level. And I remember sitting in this woman's house and she was a Haitian woman. And, um, and she explained to me, like, I mean, her house was like smaller than my living room. And, yeah. you know, and she explained to me what it was like to be her. She was a single mom and she had four kids. Their bed was up on, um, like up on paint tins above the ground. And she talked about how all the time when it rained, their house would flood. And just, it was, it was it was so impactful for me for so many reasons. Number one, it was my first time ever being so up close and personal with such extreme levels of poverty and, and vulnerable like social vulnerability. But um, more than that, it was that this woman shared her story with me, and it I realized that you know this was like a almost like a sacred trust. Like she was helping me understand what it was like to be in her shoes. And yeah. so this really changed me. And so that's how I ended up starting to bring hundreds and hundreds of teenagers to different parts of the world. And we would work in communities like this. And so in 2006, I um, ended up coming and finding a, this garbage dump and being introduced to a group of workers there. And so we would help these people. They're, they're largely stateless. There's about 100, 100 people in this garbage dump. And, you know, there's about 70 million people that work in garbage dumps around the world that are just like these people. And they, they're the people that would live on, you know, when you hear statistics of like a dollar, two dollars a day, this is them, right? And so... Um, and we would we would come alongside them and we'd help them collect bottles for the day because recycling is privatized in a lot of the world. And so this is how they make their income. Mm -hmm. And uh, in that area, I, I met a woman and she had this little toddler on her hip. There's a lot of kids running around this garbage dump and she had this little toddler on her hip. And um, I never thought much of it. I, I hung out with her and I chatted and I worked alongside of her. And then I went back to Canada. And um, my then husband at the time, we were already talking about adoption. And so... Uh, Six months after being at that garbage dump in the following year, I got a phone call and found out that that woman had passed away suddenly. And that mm. little girl that was on her hip in the garbage dump was uh, now orphaned. And so it started me on this quest to find her and uh, led me in. Finally, in 2009, I, I was able to find her. It's my daughter. Her name is Wilene. Um, and started the, the process of adoption. Now, this is in the summer of 2009, and so we were going to do an emergency visa, and we had done all this stuff. But my daughter was born into statelessness. So she was Haitian descent, born in the Dominican Republic, and has no access to birth registration in the Dominican Republic. Mm. So we were going to do everything. At the time, Haiti had a process. So we, were, we went to Haiti, and uh, it was at the end of 2009, and finished signing all these papers and had a judge sign things and left there. And 10 days later, the earthquake happened and every, every document we had was lost. And even the judge himself was lost his life in the earthquake and everything was declared invalid that we had. And so, and, and now I had just received the, the, this child. Like I had come back to Dominican Republic cause I thought I was just going to be there for two weeks to get her. And we were going to take off into Canada and ride off into life. 
And so now I have a child that doesn't speak the same language as me in Dominican Republic, and I don't actually have the legal abilities to protect her or to leave the country with her. And, uh, and, and I just had to figure out, you know, but you kept thinking, I kept telling myself, okay, it's, you know, you're going to figure this out. You're going to figure this out. Stay calm. <laughs> and, um, and a few months later, uh, my marriage began to fall apart. And within six months, uh, I was also separated from my husband. So we raise our daughter together, but, uh, essentially I'm, I became a single parent very quickly. Yeah. And so, uh, I, I had to rebuild my life completely and I was still working with Live Different and I stayed with Live Different for a couple of years, but always inside of me was this pull. I had, I'd done charity. I started charity and I saw how much good charity can do, but I'm a, I'm an entrepreneur at heart and inside of me, uh, I wanted to be able to create something that was going to provide a way for me to co-create with other people, you know, like to help them build their future too. I'm, I'm the product of people believing in me along, along the path of when I really needed them to. So I, I, all this time, you know, I, I, um, I resigned from the different and I'm, I'm, uh, living now I'm traveling back and forth between Dominican Republic and Toronto every two weeks. I was a speaker and it was how I was able to make a living and be with my daughter, but I'm a single mom and I am still returning to this garbage dump and working with these people and helping to host teams there. But I'm, as I'm standing in the garbage dump with these people, I'm like, you know, like I'm actually in the same boat as these people. Like it looks different on the outside, but financially I was just as vulnerable. I had no way to be able to, to do anything for myself either. And so uh, I was caught, I start. I, I was, I had such empathy for the cycle that they were caught in is yeah. basically, I guess what I would say is because I, I could see myself in them. You know, what's really fascinating is when you start to realize that you have way more in common with people than what separates you, it changes your perspective about what's possible yes. because I, I began to see how they did things and I began to take notice of like when I go out to the garbage dump and I'd look around and there was always these tires in the garbage dump and I would bring groups of people and we'd be working alongside these people and they would ask me like, what's with all these tires? And I said the famous last entrepreneurial words. I'm like, I don't know, but someone should really do something about them because there's like so many. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. So entrepreneurship 101, if you said before someone should really do something about this, you might be someone. So these tires were here and, uh, and it would bother me, but I never thought anything of it. And, uh, in, in January, early January of 2017, I'm walking out of my apartment in the Dominican Republic and my neighbor walks out at the same time across the courtyard. And I, I waved at her and then I did the total girl thing where I'm like, Hey, I love your shoes. She's wearing these really cute sandals. And, uh, so I, <laughs> I walked over and I'm like, can I see those? Cause they were really pretty leather sandals. And she took one off and she's like, you know, these aren't handmade leather sandals. I just got them in Cuba. I would pay twice as much for them. They were so awesome. And I'm holding the sandal in my hand and I'm looking at it and I flip it over and the sole, the sole of the sandal was just like a, like a silica kind of sole, like nothing, nothing special. But when I looked at it, it was like a lightning bolt on the side of the head. I swear to you, this is what happened. I was like, oh my gosh, why have I never thought about this before? About using those tires for the soles of the shoes. Cause I mean, I had seen, you know, like I'd seen like people wearing tire shoes. Like there's, there's, um, you know, different people groups in Africa and like in Central America that wear like, you know, those, but it's not my style. Um, and I know that other companies do it, but nothing was really my style. Like I like, I like classy, nice 
leather shoes. Right. Um, and so I was like, I wonder if I could do this. So I went, I, I knew of a gentleman who had a small artisanal shop with a couple guys working with him and he was a leather worker. And I went there the next day and I looked on the table and he was making shoes. I'm like, okay, well, that's a good sign. And, uh, I showed him my idea. He's like, oh yeah, I can make you shoes. No problem. And I'm like, no, no, no. I want tires for the soles of the shoes. And he's like, he looks at me like I'd grown horns. He's like, oh, he lifts one eyebrow. He's like, okay, we can try. <laughs> and, uh, and then a couple days later, he sends me a picture over WhatsApp, which PS, if you're going to be doing uh, business in many parts of the world, WhatsApp becomes your main mode of communication. Uh, he sends me this picture over WhatsApp and it's of this simple leather, uh, sandal with a tire sole. He's like, and all it said was I found a guy and there was a Haitian gentleman a, f- a couple blocks away from him who, as it turns out, he found out he's the third generation of men in his family who knew how to work with tires and who had, they'd made like tires, uh, tire sandals in Haiti. So, uh, so I, I was so excited about this. And so I thought, okay, this is perfect. I had this idea for shoes, but I still had no money, like nothing. Like I put the no back in no money. <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's now it's so, but what I did was I knew I had an idea. And so I got, I pulled out a thing of post-it notes and I went through, you know, the whole business model canvas on my kitchen wall in my apartment. And I had a name for it and everything. And I, I started to map out. I'm like, if I could do this, what would I do? And I began to plan out what that business would look like. And so it became alive inside of me before it was ever, you know, physically anything. Right. Um, but I still didn't have, I just still didn't know how I was going to get the money. And, but I, I figured out, I told myself, you know what, if I can get 250 bucks, like this is really honestly how, how, how like broke I was at the time. I said, if I could get 250 bucks, I could do this. Cause I'd already talked to the gentleman about the shoes and we had already decided on the styles and everything. And, um, the following week after I made the business model, a friend of mine was in town visiting, um, in where I, in Dominican Republic and we went out for dinner and, um, and he's a very, very, very successful businessman. And we got up to leave and he leans over and he grabs my hand and he says, I feel like you know what to do with this. And I open up my hand and there's a thousand dollars of cash in, in, in my hand from him. Mm. And, and I was like, I didn't even know what to say. And he was right. I did. And first of all, I did pay my rent for those who are worried. But secondly, <laughs> I knew, cause I told myself, I made myself a promise that if I had $250, I would do this. And so the next day I went back and I said, okay, I'm ready. And we started making the shoes. And so for the first month and a half, I didn't do anything. I didn't, I, I, um, I borrowed my boyfriend's credit card to get a Shopify site and, uh, I, but I started talking about it on social media and I had people wearing the sample shoes and filling out like surveys and, you know, like giving me feedback. And, and so I was trying to understand what people would, would respond to. And on June 7th of 2017, I popped up an organic post on my Facebook wall and I said, I would like to introduce you to Brave Souls. And a friend of mine took the photos, the first, the first round of photos. Um, we went to a coffee shop and we did that. We cleared everything off the table and did the shoes on, on top of a table because we didn't know what else to do. I'd studied how other people did it. And I was like, I'm just going to hack this together. And at the end of that first day with nothing. And like it, when I look back at that first iteration of the site, it just makes me laugh. I sold 40 pairs of shoes all over the world. (laughs) And so I was like, I went to bed that night. I was like, oh my gosh, they believed me. Okay. So uh, I think I'm on to something. Did you have the inventory of the 40 shoes? I had, 
well, no, here's the thing about shoes. Like, have you ever looked at feet? There's every possible size of foot. So I, I took a guess. And I think out of all the 40 pairs, I think I could fill two because I only had a few pairs of shoes on, on hand. Um, but then I had the means to make them. And so that was part of like, we had already prepped people like when they ordered, you know, to let them know that, look, these shoes are going to be made to order. So you need to give us a week to get them made and then we'll ship them. And here's the funny part is that in the beginning, I didn't even know where to ship from. So I shipped from Dominican Republic. And I don't know if you've ever been there, yes. if you've ever, but if you've ever tried to find the post office, there's a reason why you can't find the post office because it's like hidden. Like I walked into the post office and the, the, while you're waiting to get step up to the counter, you sit on a ripped out seat from a van. And as I'm putting these, I'm putting these shoes on the, you know, the ladies putting the postage on and the shoes are going into this bin. And I was like, Oh my God, take care of the shoes. Like I hope they get there. And they made it. It was a miracle. Like we were shipping to like New Zealand and Belgium and like all over Canada and the U S and people got them. Um, but I just, I couldn't handle the stress (laughs) shipping from there. So, so then we quickly, um, we, we, we shifted and we started a model where we're, you know, we started shipping from Toronto and now, now that's totally different, but so that's how it all started. But within the business model itself, we, uh, I wanted to work with other micro entrepreneurs. And so we help our, our way of doing things is we have small scale supply. So, um, in small scale means like there's people sometimes sitting at their kitchen table with their sewing machine, making stuff for us, you know, and, and we have, we have a filter of how we, how we do things. So all of our items have to be upcycled uh, or have an upcycled element to them. Um, because we're, you know, we're really partnering. We, we, our whole thing is we partner with people and planet to build a better future together. And so if our suppliers need money for something, we have a micro loan program that we help them buy those things, you know, for, if they need machines to, to work for us, we help them get those machines and then we become their first customer. So we've been working on, on this now and it's been, it's super exciting. And so since then we've created a program. I I knew right away that um, we had such a strong story behind it uh, and that I needed to give people a chance to participate in that story, you know, to own that story. And one of the things I've come to realize and the feedback that we get now when people buy our stuff and when they talk about us online and social media, as they always say, like, I love that I know the story behind what I'm wearing. And, you know, it's, it's funny because that's actually nothing new. That's actually like, it's like we're, we're turning back the clock on how business can happen, you know, on how the people want to be connected to what they own. They want, they want to have a sense of, um, of pride in those choices. Like, you know, and, and you, you work hard for your, for your, your money. So you should be able to own the stories behind it and take pride in how people have been treated along the way and how the planet is treated in the process. And so, um, that's been probably one of the greatest strengths. And so we created right away, I created a program that was almost like an ambassador program within our, that became a big part of our distribution. So we have indie sales reps, um, in three different countries and, uh, they host, you know, they, like they'll host events and everything. And that's a big part of our distribution. I mean, we're distributed in stores and, and we're working on all that too and, and direct, but that's a big part of it because for me, I'm a people person and I really wanted everybody. Uh, if, I knew that if I was to create something that, that was so different, it needed to have an element that where everybody along the entire chain of that it's not transactional. I wanted it to be transformational, you know, because I'm, I'm a life that's been changed by the experiences and by the people that I've been able to share it with. And I want to be able to provide that for other people too. And business is like the most amazing vehicle to do that through. Yeah. Cause you, you know, like you're able to provide when you are willing 
when you're willing to set, so, you know, right from the beginning, one of the, the great things that I'm so happy that I did was I set my values right at the beginning and I, and that became the filter for everything that we do. So it's all, that becomes like, you know, it makes, it makes decision-making easier. Cause you're like, does it match up to our values? If it doesn't, then no, it's not a good fit. Right. So, um, yeah. And, and when you first start out, it's, it's, you, it's easy to get spastic on so many things because there's just so many things to get done. And so I, I feel like, uh, I'm, I'm so glad that I took the time to really establish what those values were going to be right from the beginning. Um, and another thing that, another thing that we did was I really, um, I mean, you might've caught this already. I like to talk and I'm okay with networking. So, um, <laughs> I, uh, I reached out to people that, you know, and I, I, um, I gathered a council of advisors and mentors around me and that I could provide value to as well. But so, you know, when I got us into some startup incubators that were really healthy ecosystems and surrounded myself with people that, um, were journeying with me. And I, I have, you know, I use, I have a couple of masterminds of people that, um, that I trust and that I help me. And, and I just realized that like, there is no, anybody that tells themselves they can do it by themselves or that we, we tell ourselves the lie. Like I, I'm you know, it's, if I don't do it, it's not going to get done. And that's just, that's just not true. That's really small minded thinking. And now I'm just, I, when I look back, even on the short amount of time of a year and a half, I realized that it's like, you know, our success has been built on, it's a, it's a team and it's, it's built on an idea that we're building something together. There's a future that we're working towards that. Yes, it represents building, you know, financial success, but really it represents like success is, is holistic. And when we're focused on, on helping everyone else also succeed along the way, then it changes everything because it, it changes how you see the power of your choices. Sure. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, I love your story and I love the steps that you took to get started. So maybe we can break some of that down just a little Mm -hmm. bit for people. Um, and you know, yeah, like the story itself, you're right. I mean, that becomes your marketing that, Mm -hmm. I mean, if you don't have that story and you're not able to tell it in a way that's clear, um, and understood, um, you're not going to connect with the audience the same way. Like you said, they want to have a sense of pride in their choices, um, and I think that's so true and you hear it all the time. So now the story today and in, in today's really crowded online world, it, it really mm-hmm. becomes a point of differentiation for you. Totally. So yeah. Your, yeah. You, no one can take it away from you. It's your unique yeah. thing, right? Yeah, um, exactly. And then every time you talk about the business, the story's part of it and that's authentic. It's genuine. It's, it's real. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I yeah. love that. Now you talked about getting some sales reps on board and I'm curious, mm-hmm. um, now, is that like, hey, we're going to pay you a salary or what kind of a model did you have in order to get them? Was it a commission offer? Like, how, how did you work that out to start onboarding people? Um, well, I so I, I stumbled into the idea because people were telling me, like, I, I'm so excited about this. I can't stop talking about it. You know, could I host an event for you? Could I help in any way? And so I just I started listening to what people were saying and realizing that um, there's there's a model there for people to be able to. So in particular, our uh, a lot of our independent sales people are um, they they look they look and live a lot like me. Like they want to do meaningful things. They need a flexible schedule. So they uh, with our sales reps they buy they they buy us uh, basically like this they, they buy a chunk of like a package like a startup package. But then we've created different ways for them to earn commissions that are things that we help them with so that it's lucrative for them. 
Um, so for example, they can host, we have a, like people can host uh, trunk shows, but they, ho- they can host them via video and you could be in, you know, you could be in Toronto and host a trunk show in Nashville or something like that. Right. So like we just started to think outside the box about, about how we could work with them and listen. And we'd ask them. So we're always asking the people that work with us, like, you know, is this working? What do you think? Can you share? Um, we're creating now like a co like a, a, a peer a coaching, like a peer network within our sales, within our sales team so that they have opportunities to spend time, you know, connecting with each other and giving each other ideas because it's really, and then it helps them form their own ownership around it and make it their own. Like, you know, a brand is so much more than just a brand is more than the style. It's more than the logo. A brand is about how people feel about, about you, right? That's really what your brand is in the end. And so we want to give them the um, the framework with which and how they can express how they feel about brave souls. Yes, yes, and and that's important because you know everybody that um, you know talks um, or works for brave souls is a reflection of the brand. So they really have to yeah. understand how to come from that passionate place. Your story, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know, I like that. Did you create any kind of persona? Like, here's meet brave souls. Like, here's the persona. Um, yes, yes and no. Like, I mean, I guess so. Like, in, do you mean in terms of like, what kind of person is like, it's all, yeah, kind of like, you know, how you do that for your audience. Right. But some yeah, yeah. people do it for the brand. So like if a new writer comes on or sales, it's like, this oh, is who yes. we are. This is yeah. like how we mm-hmm. feel, what we think like this yeah. is where it comes yeah. from. Yeah. So we are, yeah. So brave souls is we're a friendly, we're a friendly voice that is going to help you discover um, beautiful things that you can be proud of. So our, our voice always has to be consistent about like, we, we keep it, we keep it, uh, fun and light, but always like with the idea of inviting someone into a further conversation and to thinking differently, you know, like as a company, we, yes, of course we want you to buy our shoes, but we also like one of our main missions is to help you change the way you see the, the potential of your choices in general and how you can participate in a much bigger picture. And if I can help you do that, then I'm accomplishing, you know, what I'm setting out to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, and so, you know, you, you talked about getting a lot of support and surrounding yourself with the right people by, mm-hmm. um, working with incubators. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm curious about that. And we hear lots of good success stories because you're right. They're saturated with people who are in that like mindset. They're working towards big goals and you know, there's great networking. Yeah. Um, you know, where, where were your incubators and was there like, I know a lot of them will be like, Oh, it's like $5,000 to get in. Like, like how did yours work? in your experience well in in mine i um i'm based so we're a canadian-based company and so we're in toronto and ryerson i I was the first university but there's lots of them that are doing it all over north america now where they have like what they call a zone learning so 40 percent. so they have like eight different zones so there's like a fashion zone social venture zone like a digital media zone legal um 40% 40% of the people they take into those incubators have to be from outside the actual university itself. Mm. And so I went in and I did a pitch as if you're going to do a pitch for anything else. And um, so, and it provided me like it, it has provided me with like everything from business coaches to, um, to mentors and to peer, you know, peer opportunities. Um, and then plus it, it helps you because, you know, um, I, depending on where the listener is from, but I know that here in North America, there's a lot of, funding that you would never know about otherwise, like for startups, like there's, we, in, in the Western world, we live in an amazing, um, 
time in history where there's a lot of value put on startups and on on that startup culture and on helping it on helping them succeed and so um that even just being in that has helped and i also connect with the center for social innovation there's a couple locations there's the here in toronto and there in new york um but there's different i think there's different kind of expressions of those in almost every major city you know across the continent and it you don't always have to pay a lot of money to be in them. Like sometimes you can just go and and be a part of them and just pay per event or whatever. But I I think you have to ask yourself the question, can I afford not to? (laughs) Like honestly, because you have to ask yourself, like what is it going to take for me to succeed? Because it's one thing to have all all these dreams and these visions, but you have to be willing to take the steps towards that. And so incrementally, maybe that means just putting yourself out there and networking in the beginning. Maybe it means asking someone, you know, like, I have people now, and I, I willingly do it too, that ask me to mentor them. And if it's a fit, I'm like, of course, I want to give you an hour of my time a month. Like, it's 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 filling for me to help invest in you. And so I think we can often lose those opportunities just because we're not willing to try or willing to ask. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I mean, and, and that is a big factor, everybody that start, especially when you're just starting. You know, you got the people mm-hmm. just starting, and you got the people that have been kind of, you know, trying for a couple years and they have something but they're just not getting the traction yet right so sure um you know and when that's the case like you have to start looking at it because i know so many people get involved with they want to start this business but then they're like oh i gotta spend like two thousand dollars to do this or that yeah, and it's like well exactly. i can't what if it doesn't work out i can't do that mm-hmm. let's just let's figure it out and not do that <laughs> yeah exactly yeah um, and yeah, I mean, listen, we had to spend two grand just to get our domain name. <laughs> it's like, I know. Yeah. So yeah. 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 And we say the same thing. Like if you're not willing to invest in yourself, then what's the point? Like who else is, you know, it's like, yeah. no one yeah. else is no going one- to. No, no one is going to, no one is going to do it for you. It has to be. And, um, you know, and so much of the entrepreneurial journey is it's all, it starts in your head and it actually like, that's actually so much of the journey itself is just when you decide like where your headspace is around everything and investing in yourself, whether it's time or resources, whatever it is, you have to keep that space healthy. Yeah. Because that's the one thing that you can control. Because there's going to be so many things that you're going to feel helpless in. You know, like in my situation, I've come to the conclusion that I'm, there's a certain, like my daughter still is not allowed to go be in Canada. This is nine and a half years later. Right. I Like she's still stateless. And, and so, um, so that can feel helpless. But within that, I am not powerless. I have a lot of decisions that I can make and choices that I can make about who I'm going to be and what I want. And as I lean into those, everything else begins to change anyways, but I'm the one that has to make that decision in the first place. Yeah, it, it, it's true. The psychology, you know, as I go through business, I've done over, you know, I don't know, we're close to 150 interviews now. I've mm-hmm. spoken to all these people and it's like a mentorship call every time. Yeah, right? totally. <laughs> and so like Tony Robbins said, he's like, listen, mm-hmm. I've, I've worked with millions of, I've helped millions of people, worked with all these entrepreneurs, big CEOs, whatever it is. And he goes, whenever there is a, a roadblock for somebody, he has found that 80% of the time, the growth roadblock is their psychology. Uh, oh, I would. Yes. Oh, totally. Yes. Yep. 100%. Yeah. And it's hard because yep. it's not a tangible you nope. know, it's like, oh, what nope. is my next app or tactic to do better mm-hmm. marketing? No, it's like, 
it's it's this human behavior the thing that you have to really exactly understand. So I think you're ahead of the game in the sense of you understand the power of communicating your story because that's that's you're not out to manipulate people to do marketing. It's just an authentic way to really mm-hmm. connect and let them align to what your passion is. Yeah, yeah, I exactly. Love, love that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So now have you raised any funding or have you been on your own? Yeah. No, well, I, I bootstrapped for a long time, which is not for the faint of heart and nope. I don't ever want to do it again. Um, so I have, uh, I got, I got a, some seed funding and that's how we kicked, we, we launched our first round of like ma- major production for us, you know? So, um, and now I'm, I'm going to be moving into another round of funding because, you know, sometimes even coming back to that psychology around something, sometimes you kind of got to work yourself into the even bigger ask. So you, you do, you know, like you push yourself past where you're comfortable and then you realize that, Oh, actually I, I'm actually going to need to think bigger again, but that's okay. There's grace for that. Like, you know, just grow into it. So, so now I'm going to be going into a second round of seeking out funding in this over the next six months. But, but yeah, so now I'm curious. So, Funding is a big uh, thing, you know, people, a lot of times like people will say, well, here's my problem. And many times, you know, that's not always necessarily their problem, but money yeah. become like financial, like mentorship is a big missing uh, part for people. Like there's some, a lot of data out there from Lavelle and other groups that do mm-hmm. survey and research. And they're like, there's three major things. Two of them are mentorship and uh, financial resources that, that are yeah. reasons why companies fail. Um, and as far as funding goes, this is really important for our audience. I think, you know, the majority, maybe 65% are owners of businesses and they're trying sure. to, um, you know, ramp up their, their financial returns or create a new revenue stream, whatever it might be. So mm-hmm. we like to talk about the funding uh, stuff. And if, if yeah. you don't mind, I'm going to dig into this just a little bit. Sure. Um, yeah. One, I'm curious, um, did you frame it up as a safe note, convertible note, debt equity? And I'm curious how much you uh, raised for your round. Yeah. So, um, so we, we raised 150 and it was a convertible note. Mm. So, um, okay. and and that was, and, and I know that doesn't sound like very much, but for me at the time, it was based on uh, what I needed to get over that next hump of That's things, right? That's yeah. all I needed. That's all I needed. And because this was, it's still very new to me, I wanted to do everything in a controlled, like, do you know what I mean? Like I wanted to make the next best choice. Right. Um, and, and that was from, it's private funding and it was one, it was one person. Um, and it was based out of relationship, but not close relationship. It was because, and here's, here's something for people to take note of. It was because he heard the story and he told me like later when I, after I was done and the pitch was a soft pitch, like we're sitting in a coffee shop and I just showed him some, you know, like we went through some, some like finances, you know? Right. Um, but in the end he's like, but the bottom line is he says, I'm investing. He says, because I want my money to work because, because I want it to work for good. So I'm investing in you because I believe in, I see, I see the proof of what you're doing. Yeah. So, you know, and, and because of my personal situation, I didn't qualify for any kind of traditional, like nobody in their right mind is going to just hand me money, you know, like <laughs> I didn't, I didn't qualify for that. So I, um, so this was like, this was something. And when I look back, it would seem like it's random, but it's not because I had been sowing the seeds for that all along by just getting clear on my story, clear on what I wanted to do, clear on where the next best step was from my business and what I wanted it to look like. And that's easy because then people, then people have a, a clear picture of, of why, why they, why they want, if they want to invest in you, why, like what their why is, they need to be able to know what their why is. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I agree. And, and I, you know, like when you have a commodity, like you're creating a product, I mean, sometimes you need money for inventory and it depends on the space you're in, you know, depending yeah. on what you're doing and, you know, really just looking at how do I get to that next, like, what do I get do for the next year? Sometimes you need a million, sometimes you need 50,000. It just depends yeah, on your situation. It just depends. And, yeah. And one thing we've learned talking to investors ourselves is, you know, don't overextend and just be like, I need $5 million for my next 10 years. It's just get what you need for the next step. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Get what you need with the next step because you know what happens I honestly is like you get to that next step and you're like, Oh, you start to see things differently. Yes. You know, you're like, maybe, maybe I don't need that. Or like, you're like me and you're like, Oh, actually maybe I need three times that now. But yes. I just, I didn't, I wasn't, I, I just didn't see that at the time. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that I was I just didn't see it at the time, and I did what I could with what I had. Right. That's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. you can only have speculation up front because yeah. you can look at the comparables in the market and all those things just to get an idea, right? But you mm -hmm. really don't know until you get there, and you're right. I mean, listen, my perspective changes every month. <laughs> it's like yes, you're always exactly. learning something. I mean. I like we we're having a big focus right now on helping founders with their story because we believe mm -hmm. that's like the real root of their marketing. Okay. Yeah. And so that's why I love what you're telling me. I think this is such a beautiful alignment. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, this is uh, one of the more important um, steps for people uh, in order to get funding as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's super important. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Well, listen, I, I, I want to be respectful of uh, your time, um, mm -hmm. but let's give a shout out. I mean, where do people find you? How do they say what's up? Get some shoes, all that good stuff. <laughs> all, that, all that good stuff. Um, they can find us everywhere at Brave Souls, uh, spelled S-O-L-E-S -E dot life, L-I-F-E. Yes, that is an actual real URL. Um, and they can find us on social and online everywhere and um, find all of our products there and our story and learn more about us there. And you can find me there or crystal spelled like christmas c-h-r-i-s-t-a-l at brave souls.life there you have it guys brave souls and i'm gonna just tell you one more thing that i think will make you feel good about uh your storytelling approach mm -hmm. Um, we interviewed Kathleen Kelly Janice, and she is a social entrepreneur. She's a professor uh -huh. at Stanford and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, she wrote a book where she interviewed 250 people and surveyed them and talked to them. And she, her objective was to find out what gets a nonprofit social enterprise um, yeah. to the $2 million in revenue a year mark and why some get there and some don't. Mm -hmm. And one of the major, there's a, there's a number of major factors, but one of the comments she made was the ones that do practice their storytelling at every aspect of their business. It's, I, I agree hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good mm -hmm. stuff. Awesome. Well, listen, thank you so much for sharing your story Thanks. and all your Thanks incredible so insights. Appreciate it. Um, you know where we're at. So reach out anytime. Awesome. Thanks, Adam. All right. Take care. That's all for this episode. Your next step is to join the change creator revolution by downloading our interactive digital magazine app for premium content, exclusive interviews, and more ways to stay on top of your game. Available now on iTunes and Google Play or visit changecreatormag.com. We'll see you next time where money and meaning intersect right here at the Change Creator Podcast.